there is a very important doctrine that is missing in today's culture. This doctrine impacts every area of one's life, including the current battle over abortion. Welcome to Kingdom Currents. I'm your host, Glenn Schultz, and today we're going to take another look at the battle that is raging across the country over abortion. I'm excited to have Pastor Mike Lewis with me today. Mike is the founder and pastor emeritus of Cathedral of Praise Church here in North Charleston, South Carolina. Pastor, welcome to Kingdom Currents. Thank you, Dr. Schultz. Glad to be here. Last week, uh, I had done a podcast where I looked at the pro-abortion's reaction to the overturning of Roe versus Wade and how they have attacked uh, everything. And and even if you try to bring up truth, uh, they go and turn it around and call you racist and bigots and transphobic and all those other types of things. So today what I want to do is uh, talk about abortion again, but instead of just looking at Roe versus Wade and the overturning of that, really get into Scripture. And I've asked Pastor Mike to sort of help us understand uh, the truth behind life. And and Pastor, you you recently did a sermon uh, on this topic of life, and and you said that Christians have to understand uh, abortion not from a political, but from a moral, and then there are some things we've got to be able to do in order to address it biblically. So share a little bit of that with us, if you would. Well, Dr. Schultz, if you are a Christian, a Christ follower, and you accept the Bible as the Word of God, which it is, uh, then we have to get our moral standards from the Bible. So when you talk about moral standards from the Bible, we're talking about that this is absolute truth, and that does impact us deeply. Yes, and as believers, we need to be able to think through the issues biblically of our day, uh, issues like abortion, sexuality, same-sex, transsexuals, and just all the issues of our day. And we, need to have, we need to view them through a biblical lens. And, and that is something that's missing uh, in, in Christian adults, even in churches today. We're, we're not seeing that. And... and too often we've allowed the world to take spiritual moral issues and move them into the political arena and say, well, the church doesn't have anything to say about that. And I think we have to take that ground back because I think we as a church have to be equipped to address those biblical issues. And we need to be able to share uh, with family and friends. Uh, Otherwise, we can't be salt and light that we need to be. And and to do that, uh, we've got to understand that – we can't be in an attacking mode all the time. There is a verse of Scripture that you pulled out of Proverbs that I think sort of gives us a framework for which to do this. Yeah, and it's the overarching thing, I think, that we, that we need to approach all these issues. And the verse is Proverbs 3.3, 3, and it says, Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablets of your heart. So, so we've got to have truth. But at the same time, it's sort of, I think it was Paul who wrote that we've got to season our speech with grace. Mm-hmm. And th- this is the thing that truth and kindness go together. They're not either or. It, it's what we do together. Uh, when, when we 
talk about all these issues, and you mentioned the the gender issues and the abortion issue and things like this, they all deal with life. And uh, w- one of the first points I can remember in the message uh, when you dealt with uh, life is, you know, where does life come from? If we don't answer that correctly, then it's just going to be an argument. Uh, so the origin of life, how do you see us as Christians having to address where does life come from? Well, what I think is interesting is that the Apostle Paul in Acts 17 uh, he was talking to a group of folks much like we will be addressing in our culture this day. And he says to that group, he says, he himself, he's talking about God, gives to all mankind life, breath, and everything. So I think that's the origin of life right there. Wow. And, and you know, that really is what it says in Genesis chapter 1, <laughs> that he created man in his image and and he is the originator of all life, and we've got to be able to embrace that. In fact, even in that uh, verse in Acts, I think it says that out of one person, Adam, <laughs> comes all nations, ethnicities, so there's only one race. And it even says that not only does God originate life, but he sets our boundaries and our times. Mm-hmm. You and I are here for this time, not another time. Exactly. And in Genesis, you find that uh, the reproduction is after its own kind. And so now he makes man. He's the only one who has life. And so now he breathes that life into, of course, Adam. Right. And, of course, uh, we, we then have to understand sin came into the world, and we're in a fallen nature. So we're not in that perf- perfected uh state anymore. We're all sinners. So whatever we do, there's going to be flaws and errors. But if we don't understand that God originates every human life, then we, then we really are in trouble. Absolutely. The, the, the second point that you talked about was the fact that once you understand life comes from God, and therefore it's sacred to him, that, that there's value in life. Uh, that God doesn't create something without meaning. I guess I'd have to say that the value of human life. How how do you uh, how do we as Christians need to approach and understand the value of human life? Well, going back to the verse you mentioned in Genesis one twenty six and twenty seven, you know it talks about the fact that man is made in the image of God. That we're the image bearers. You know, in Latin it's called "amago Dei." It is the thing that man has that separates him from all of the creation. It's that image-bearing thing that gives man value. And, and when you talk about that, it really is the missing doctrine, in, in, even in the church today. We, we don't hear much about it. Absolutely. I totally agree. So sort of expound on that. How does being made in the image of God in your mind— impact, whether it's abortion or transgender, or, or just how we value each other. Well, and I think it's that image-bearing thing that we have that gives us our spirituality, it gives us our morality, and it gives us the things that we got from God that we carry. Now, within that comes the value for one another as well. And, and you know, when you talk about 
people are all, all the social justice issues and things like this. They try to classify us by all kinds of things rather than just saying, you know what? We should be valuing people because they have inherent worth and intrinsic value just from the fact that they are image bearers of God. Absolutely. I totally agree. And where does this life begin? You know, that's the real issue. Does does it begin after a baby is born? Does it begin at conception? And there, there's a lot of scripture that maybe people don't understand it gives us some insight in the fact that life doesn't begin just when you go and are, are born into this world. One of the scriptures that I used that I found interesting was in Matthew 1, 18, and it refers to the birth of Jesus and that Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before uh, they came together, and, and she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And what I found interesting is the Holy Spirit – is the one who started the whole thing, and he had um, the embryo planted, so to speak. Um, then I asked this question, when the Holy Spirit provided the seed for Mary, and she conceived, when did Jesus become Jesus? Was it the first day? Was it the first month? Was it after three months? Was it when he was born? And I, I don't, personally don't think you can separate Jesus. I mean, he is who he is in totality. And so I think day one, Jesus was there. And and so when you apply that to you and me, <laughs> day one, when we were conceived, we had that intrinsic value and, and that inherent worth because we then were the image bearers of God, not fully developed. I, I, I hear a lot of the... Uh, attacks against the pro-life movement where they say, well, it's not so much when life was conceived, but when a, the child becomes a person. You know, they've got to be fully developed. Well, guess what? I'm still not fully developed. <laughs> so does that mean that, you know, I, I'm not a person? Uh, and, and it's critical to understand that personhood starts with conception. It's there. Uh, there, there's other scriptures that that refer to that. So, you know, it, it's not a matter of when is it right to kill a person. It's never right, and therefore, it's not right from the time of conception. And that that sort of leads us into that third point that God didn't create us without purpose. So there's purpose to life. How would you sort of flesh that out? Well, again, back to to Jesus. Um, people will say, "Well, he was preexistent," and so yes, he was preexistent, and he went through the developmental phases in the womb just like anyone. But as he became became full, more fully developed, he didn't become any more Jesus. He didn't become more Jesus when he grew a leg. He didn't become more Jesus when he was at this phase. He was Jesus from the start. And so I think God, with us, he knew us as well, preexistent, so to speak. We have a scripture in Jeremiah that says that before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And so people will ask the question, how do they know him? Well, you know, God it doesn't live in a time-space world. So God, in his imagination, in his mind, who knows all things, knows us, thought about us, before we were ever in the womb, 
our whole life, I think, played out. And so he knew us. He loved us before we were ever planted in the womb. And not only did he know us, he does have a plan for us. I I like what uh, uh, Pastor James McManus says. Uh, He always refers, especially to young people, he says, every time I see a young person, what I'm looking at is a person a name with a purpose. <laughs> and uh, yes, you've got a name, but you've got a purpose behind there. And that's that's part of understanding the value of life and the purpose of life is uh, knowing that. And Scripture gives that indication. You, you use Jeremiah. He knew him before, and he had a plan for him. Yes. He said he'd appointed him as a prophet, and he set him apart. And so I think personally— how it works is God's plans that are in his heart. He plants those plans of his will on earth coming to pass in the hearts of human beings when they're planted in the womb. And then, of course, when they're born, now the purpose of life is to carry out the plans that God has for you. And, and you know, I think that's where even the whole concept of kingdom education comes into play. Uh, if we could get parents to understand that that the role of education should be trying to identify God's purpose for that life and then equipping that child to fulfill that purpose rather than just some generic and throwing facts at them where they know a lot of stuff, but they never understand who they are, why God created them, and what their purpose is. And I I think it's key that parents understand that they are not the molders and shapers as in their, their original purpose. But they're the ones who help that purpose develop. Yeah. And, and there's other passages of Scripture that give the same thing, not just Jeremiah, but I, I think Ezekiel was another one, but also David in Psalm 139. Uh, that one is sort of the, the capstone <laughs> of, of putting it all together to say, you know what, uh, that unborn baby is just as valuable as that born baby. Uh, what what do you pull from Psalm 139? Well, I think that's one of the most incredible scriptures around this subject. Is when David said, he said, You made all of my delicate inner parts of my body, and you knit them together in my mother's womb. So in the womb, God was at work taking these parts, inner parts, and knitting them together. And then he says, Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. And it's amazing to think about your workmanship and how marvelous it is and how well I know it. And you were there, it says, while I was born and scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. You know, that that is mind-blowing. Um, I, I had just completed uh, doing my father-in-law's funeral, and I, I used the passage in Hebrews where it says that it's appointed uh, unto every man once to die, and after that, the judgment. And and this passage basically says God sets the appointment <laughs> when we're going to die before we're even formed in the womb. And, and you know, we, we shouldn't be acting foolishly because uh, we, could, <laughs> we could end our lives. But but at the same time, if we're living our life out for God's glory, we can't add a day to it. We can't take away a day to it. All of that comes even before that child is born. 
And I think that sort of, you know, sums up not not the pro-life political uh, position, but what is the biblical position on human life and abortion? Why is this doctrine, this being created in the image of God and God forming you, so critical to to the church today? How, How would you answer that? Because I, th- I think I think that whole doctrine is where we get our understanding of life, meaning of life, purpose of life. Again, God's goal in sending us here. And so now, when you deal with the abortion issue, you're not only dealing with the taking of a life; you're dealing with God's plan. You're dealing with a person's purpose, which ultimately was God's purpose in sending them. And so, in all three categories of life, the source of life, and purpose, now you're dealing with it. You know, and it, we we have fallen so far. Uh, you wonder, okay, can we retrieve? Can we get back? Of course, we know if people will repent, turn to God, He's going to empower them to to get this right. But uh, the battle over abortion isn't going to end with this ruling, and now it's going to go to states, and we're going to find a lot of fighting, <laughs> a lot of attacks, a lot of debates, and. For us as Christians, again, let's go back to that verse. We've got to make sure that kindness and truth are joined together, but we've got to know truth. It's important that we know God's Word. If you were to give a closing comment to those that are listening about this whole issue and what you think the answer is, what what would you say? I would say I think it's time for us as Christians to step up to the plate. When he called us to be light, and what's interesting is the way he used that scripture, and he's talking about you can't put something over it that dims the light where you can't see. And so in this generation, in this time, our purpose that we have been sent for, in part, is to be that light to this society. And so I don't think it's any time to back up. I don't think it's any time to lose your voice. I think it's a time that we become even more equipped so the light can be even brighter. And we're going to end on that last statement. We've got to be more equipped. Uh, it's not just a matter of just speaking up and giving our opinion. We've got to be equipped with truth. And that's why uh, we have Kingdom Currents. I want to thank people for tuning in uh, to this podcast. I hope you share it with others and get this message out that it's not an issue of politics. It's not an issue of just abortion. It's an actual issue of what is human life and why God created it and how valuable it is. I hope that if you want more information on Kingdom Education Ministries, you will visit my website at kingdomeducationministries.com. And until next time, I pray that God will bless you as you dig into his word and try to understand the meaning of your life. Frameworks is an exciting new initiative utilizing the learning management system of Grand Canyon University. For more information, visit BibleClassesForPublicSchools.com.